Welcome to Y11 Audio. This is Ipsy11.com's college football podcast. Thank you for listening. My name is Alex Alvarado. A little late on this recording, but that's okay. It's okay. It's been a holiday week. You know, you needed to get into your week one groove. Let's just kind of take some time to digest through, you know, all the beer that we drank over the weekend. Kind of remember a little bit about what happened last week in the Friday game in the 42-34 win. And let's just kind of take it easy heading into the Louisiana week. Plus, I'm doing two podcasts a week now. If you are a returning listener, thank you for subscribing. If you're new here, hey, thanks for trying something new. And why don't you go ahead and uh, throw, throw down a subscription. Come on, it's, it's, a free, it's free right now. Come on. Uh, it's Louisiana week. EMU football is heading down there. Um, but not before I bring up something a little bit more important. Um, the Eastern Professors, the Union, AAUP, they're on strike right now. If you care about Eastern Michigan, if you care about Eastern Michigan football, if you care about the students at Eastern Michigan, if you care about Ypsilanti, if you care about education, if you care about Southeast Michigan as a whole, I, my whole life, I was taught and led by graduates of Eastern Michigan who ended up teaching in my school system as a kid. And then I ended up going to Eastern Michigan because they were such an inspiration to me. And I didn't end up being a teacher like I thought I was going to be. Was it for the best? Who knows? But right now they are on strike because they are not getting a fair and, you know, they're just not getting a fair contract. Uh, they, with inflation and with all the cuts that they had, that they did, I'm not going to say that they had to do. I will not say that. With all the cuts that Eastern did during the pandemic, and everything before the pandemic because this isn't the first time it's not like eastern was like oh we'll just hire everybody and spend more money on everybody and everybody's gonna have a better life uh that wasn't eastern's mo as an administration that's just not what eastern's priorities were so a lot of things just kind of mounting up mounting up on top of each other the union's been pissed for a number of years now things have been bubbling up for a long time they let all the parents that were helping in their students move into the dorms. Hey, we're about to strike. There's about there's a vote coming up, you know, right after Labor Day. Haha. <laughs> yeah, irony's not dead. Uh, you know, this university is not prioritizing its teachers. It's saying we'll give you a small raise and rip you of your health care. Um, when a more fair and equitable contract is uh, or a fair a fair contract is not what they got. So, right now. If you are looking around Eastern Michigan and you're not seeing kids in class and you're actually seeing everybody, you know, march around Welch Hall for looks like eight miles a day wearing the red, you should join them. You should put down the green and you should wear the red for a little bit. I myself, I do have some Eastern Michigan apparel, which um, funny we're recording this. Uh, I can kind of let the let the you know let the cat out the back here. I got a couple of free home field shirts because I'm a, uh, you know, I spent a lot of money on home field shirts over, over the past couple of years. I hit them up years ago and I was like, hey, you should do this this idea for a shirt because your selection is small and I think this would be a cool thing. And I just like sent them over a thing and they're like, cool, gave me a thumbs up and uh, didn't really think of anything of it. That was pre-pandemic conversations too. And uh, recently they were like, hey, look at these Eastern shirts. We, I know we haven't talked in a few years, but look at these Eastern shirts that we're going to drop in a couple weeks. And you 
our longtime friend, Alex Alvarado, can have two of them for free in your size at your house. We'll, we'll ship it right to you for free. And my heart was like, oh, thank you. So I got some shirts. Uh, they're awesome. I'm not going to talk about them, though, um, because, you know, I, as much as I want to sport the green and white and as much as I want to sport home field and as much as I want to sport, you know, these awesome shirts, uh, oh, my God, I, I want to talk about them so bad because they are badass. They're shirts that I've been waiting, you know, for, you know, for a long time to see. And I'm really glad to see them. And I, if you're, if you can hear me, if you're listening and you care about Eastern and you care about everything that I've talked about so far, and we're only five, six minutes into this thing, you're going to love these shirts, man. And, and yeah, they're not, they're not a sponsor. They won't sponsor me because uh, I have bad numbers. I'm just kidding. You guys are cool, but they're not a sponsor. This is free advertising. I'm giving up because I, uh, I, you know, I think it's a good company and all that shirt. But I'm not going to talk about the shirts until, uh, you know, until, uh, you know, our, our, our lovely professors get a, uh, a fair contract and they get it now. Uh, they want you to wear red. They don't want you to wear green and white. I have to support them at this time. I'm not going to talk about the shirts and I'm not going to say as soon as you get them, you should wear them. As soon as you get them, you should make sure that the professors are back in their classrooms doing what they want to do because they have received the uh the demands demands that are, are being met in their negotiations which which eastern it's fucking bullshit it was fucking bullshit to read that they put out a statement to say oh you know these these teachers they just want more money in the in their ivory towers they just you know god they they need more marble tabletops they need more marble tabletops and they're not happy with how much money that we've already given them we've given them a raise uh, and so they are choosing their personal profits over your education students. And uh, I'm a little bit paraphrasing there, but that's exactly what they said. And to that, I say, uh, go fuck yourself, Eastern Michigan. Like, seriously, go fuck yourself. Okay, back to rooting for Eastern Michigan. They beat, the, the football team at least, beat Eastern Kentucky from the FCS ranks uh, 42-34. Yes, it's Louisiana week, but I did rewatch most of the game again uh not all of it but you know i'm getting through it. i'm kind of plugging through some notes uh doing some side stuff but you know i just had some final just final thoughts that i just kind of wanted to you know get back to you with you know i don't know i don't remember how much i covered into the recap and this is kind of how i want to you know do things i want to do an immediate reaction after the games for a podcast and then once we reconvene We'll do this. We'll re-recap the previous week. I'll release some power rankings in the Mac. I'm not going to do a preseason power rankings. Well, I can't now. Uh, but preseason stuff. Man, I hate preseason rankings. Like, I get it. It's important. Uh, even in the AP poll, I think there's, like, a historical importance there. And, like, it's not all that bad. But, like, in the moment, it's just, it's. I don't find, like, a true value in it. Uh, it's much better if you do it. Once you start with week one, because then you just like have a clear and concise way of doing things. Anyways, uh, I'm going to do Mac power rankings. Lord save me. And then we'll actually talk about uh, Louisiana. Louisiana has some good players. Um, I've already previewed it in Ipsy11.com. So if you haven't signed up for free updates there, that'd be the way to go. Uh, little teaser. I haven't made things official. I haven't completely set it up. 
At some point, I will turn on a paywall for ipsy11.com. That paywall will not look exactly what you're thinking of when I say that out loud. A lot of people think that paywall is just like a lot of things are very, very exclusive on there. And you cannot read a good percentage of the work if you're not paying to that media outlet, which is true, which it makes sense. I get it. And I'm not really like totally against that either. However, I think my paywall will mostly be archive based and I want people to still sign up for free updates and get everything that I write. If not a hundred percent, then like closer to 95% of what I write will be free and available for everybody in the streets to read because I think there's just a true value in that. And also I don't think anything that I'm writing needs like it does. I don't think anything I write deserves to be like, like hidden like that. I'd rather be things archive based where look, you had your opportunity to read this for free. Like if, if even if you can't get to it immediately, even if you have to wait like two months to read it, it's probably in your mailbox. If you signed up for free updates, EMU is heading down to Lafayette, but not before it beat Eastern Kentucky. A few final thoughts from that game. Uh, Chase Klein, the linebacker. Of course, everybody loves him. I've been trying to get you on the Chase Klein hype train for a very, very long time. Um, if you've, At least if you've heard me. He, he's great. I think he's going to be fine. Uh, probably a future Mac MVP. Not defensive player of the year. MVP. Um, and I'm just saying that. It's whatever. I'm just, I'm just an Eastern Michigan media guy. It's all good. Um... He's a linebacker who's built like a bull rush the end. He's a big kick-ass guy, uh, which also means he's not excellent in open space against the pass. Uh, there was a play, maybe two, where like a player, like he was dropped back in zone coverage. Player caught a pass in front of him with like a couple yards of separation, and it didn't take much for him to just like dive at the guy's you know shoelaces. And he, you know, he as in Chase Klein would usually have a size advantage because he's huge. Um, but his best work is definitely when he's, you know, working downhill, when he's like closer to the line of scrimmage. I think that's where his best work is at when he's on the blitz and we can actually use his strength and his physicality, his length and athleticism is helpful against the pass. Definitely get some reaches there. Uh, if you saw in the first drive against EK, I think it was the first drive he did force, um, an incompletion by just like his length and jumping up for a pass and you know batting it away so I think there's a value there I think there's more value in him just roughing up offensive linemen that have no business getting in his face um, but also to his credit you know it takes a lot to run a middle linebacker position for any defense there's a lot of responsibilities that go with it other than like you know fighting somebody out in public there's a lot of assignments that need to be handled. There's a lot of realignments that need to be caught on the fly. There's a lot of, you know, adjustments that have to be kept up with. There's a lot of smarts that come into that position. So it's a lot like being the quarterback, but it's also mostly like being the center, if that makes any sense. It takes a lot of smarts for him to do that. He was, you know, if it weren't for the coaching change at Michigan State, he'd probably still be there running the show there. You'd probably hear him on you know, on Fox, on FS1, on ESPN. Uh, but now you get to see him on ESPN Plus and ESPN3 for Eastern Michigan, which is great because uh, he brings that could have been Big Ten potential to the MAC, and he's definitely proving it so far. He led the team in tackles already. So 
uh, to call them an instant impact is, uh, yeah, that's that's chump change, essentially. Melvin Swindle's fumble, uh, you know, you've heard me before say good things about him, even though he's only had like limited playing time. I think he's I think he's going to be really good. The fumble, the I rewatched that part. He was lined up on, so the run went to the offense's right. Melvin Swindle was lined up from his advantage from from his vantage point to the center to the left of the center. And so the guard on his left, the play side, he had to first make a push on Melvin Swindle and then work upfield and get to a linebacker. That was his assignment, uh, and that that right guard, he was a redshirt senior. He was formerly a Tennessee offensive lineman. He's new to the EKU program as a grad transfer. He was actually a starter in the 2019 season for the Vols, too. So he's got some SEC chops there. He went to get Melvin Swindle. Melvin Swindle got him first, uh, just pushed him out of the way, threw him and his lunch money on the ground. He just, the offensive lineman just kind of like rolled around trying to pick up the pennies and just like looked really embarrassing. Didn't even get to the linebacker. You barely even knew he was trying to block Melvin in the first place. Uh, Melvin came through, was in good position. Uh, the center, meanwhile, had to like run around, and because Melvin was supposed to be tapped by two guys, the center was supposed to make the snap, boot out to the right, swing his hips in, and then just like not swing his hips in, but like turn his ass to the play, get Melvin to like get him walled off from like making a tackle. But instead, Melvin was in perfect position to make the tackle. Not only make the tackle, wrap the running back from behind, get his hands in. Uh, and our old friend Chase Klein came through and made sure that when, you know, when Melvin's arms went through the ball carrier, his arms, to force that fumble, Klein made sure that that fumble actually happened. So uh, good on both of them. On Samson's touchdown run, I kind of realized it in real time, but I didn't want to say it at the time. And then after rewatching it, yeah, I know for sure that did not look like it was supposed to go all the way to the outside. Samson Evans, that's the one there where he's on the hashes EKU side. The call is to go up the middle, but he bounces it, goes wide side to the corner of the end zone, has to barrel his way through. Uh, yeah, the, the O-line just got beat by a few EKU defensive linemen, so uh, you don't want to see that. But you do want to see Samson making great decision-making on that run. Uh, that could have easily been gobbled up for, you know, a negative play. He could have got pushed back for more. So good to see Samson made, you know, made a lot happen there. He made lemonade. And the last note I want to bring up is on defense, uh, this is a good thing to look forward to. This is a – the play call essentially was a blitz, and it put Sparatio and TJ Sp- TJPV, both guys with the most speed out of their positions, uh, linebacker and safety. Put them both on the blitz on polar ends of the field, and that was really nasty. Forced an incompletion. Uh, the incompletion was a uh, just one of those swing passes to the running back, the most popular play in football in 2022, I guess. Uh, Forced an incompletion there. Could have been scary, you know, with a better quarterback-running back combination. You know, maybe that could have been a... Uh, you know, maybe that could have been a completion in a bad play anyways, even with PV in the guy's face. But still, it forced an incompletion there. And it just, yeah, that, that, that looked really good. That was really fun to watch. 
All right, let's run through some power rankings really quickly. We're going to go 1 to 12, looking at the Mac. I thought about doing preseason rankings, but like I said, I don't I don't think it it would have been helpful. I would have put Akron way too high and then I would have had to like readjust for what I thought about Akron because of Joe Moorhead. Let's start at the top. Toledo, you're number 1. Hey, you beat you beat Long Island 37 nothing. You're the only team in the MAC to shut out anybody. Um nobody else allowed a, a goose egg on the scoreboard defensively. Put up 37 points. That's what it. That's exactly what it should look like. Um, a lot of people like you to win the West. Hey, I'm not saying this is my favorite. I'm not saying that. I'm saying Toledo played the best through week one. No, it wasn't against great competition, but honestly, this week one was a stinker across the board for the MAC. Uh, Central Michigan, number two, dark horse favorite apparently for the MAC West. Uh, fought hard in the Oklahoma State. In the Oklahoma State game, outscored the Cowboys twenty-two to seven in the fourth quarter. When it was already a blowout, obviously you you score that much, but you still lose by double digits. It's you know it's not a great look, but it's still a good look to end up with forty-four points on the road at a ranked Oklahoma State team that went to the uh, the Big Twelve championship game just last year. So that's the best team that Central Michigan is going to play all year probably. So if you're feeling anything good about Central Michigan, you're probably feeling pretty great about them. Northern Illinois is three. A lot of that is me kissing the ring here, but man, you did not look excellent against Eastern Illinois. 134-27, but it's just not what you wanted to see out of the defending MAC champs. Uh, Still, I have to put these 12 teams somewhere, somewhere in NIU, your third. In the second half, uh, the possessions for NIU ended with touchdown, field goal, field goal and missed field goal. Man, that's the second half, and you you settled for field goals three times? That's just not good. Not good. Eastern Michigan, homer pick at number four, but uh, again, I got to put these t- these teams somewhere, and uh, I like what I see out of Eastern Michigan. I definitely like the defense a lot, and the offense is pretty good, pretty dang good. You know, it's got the quarterback and receivers. I like that. Uh, it's just got to get a better run game going. Finished pretty well in the day, but the first half, uh, eight yards on 10 carries, no bueno. But yeah, probably a homer pick. I just don't really have a lot of fireworks around the MAC to say otherwise, because look at number five is Western. They didn't pee the bed when they went to Michigan State, lost 35 to 13. Uh, you know, Michigan, that, that's a team they should lose to. That's a score you should lose by. Everybody wins. Way to go, State of Michigan. Uh, yeah, that's five. Michigan West, Michigan West, Mac West teams in my top five already. Is that is that is that because I'm I'm doing this wrong? I don't know. It's it's really hard to say. Number six is my first East team though. Ohio beat FAU. FAU doesn't have the most respect in the world. Uh, I want I wanted to give him more of a bump for Nikosi Perry, who was a former four star, uh, but maybe he's just not that excellent of a quarterback. Uh, but Curtis Work, I don't care. He still beat Nikosi Perry in that duel, defended the home stadium well in the renamed Frank Solich Field at Peden Stadium. Um, yeah, good good start to the year. I, I like you know I like what I saw out of Ohio. That's definitely you know I didn't I haven't watched it yet, but forty one to thirty eight. That's a better scoring win for Ohio than I ever expected to see them do in this game. I really thought Ohio was going to lose pretty bad. 
Miami lost pretty bad, uh, 13-37. Another loss that was pretty bad, their quarterback, Brett Gabbert, guy that, you know, hey, because you have him, we trust Miami to go to the MAC championship. And, you know, not only that, like win the East, he was, Miami was the heavy favorite to win the East, and the quarterback was a big reason for it. Who knows when Gabbert's going to be back. He was injured against Kentucky. They lost last week, 37-13, respectable. Uh, it's a lot like Michigan State. Western Michigan in that regard. Just that's a score you should have lost by. That's fine. Yeah. You know, my, Miami just generally does not impress until conference play. So until conference play, you know, we'll see if Miami uh, jumps back up. But who knows what Miami is going to look like with the new quarterback. I'm not going to try to speculate that, to be personally honest with you. I do trust Miami to do well this year, but... After week one, I have to put them seven. And at number eight is our final West team, uh, Ball State. They got raced by Tennessee. There's a lot that Ball State needs to develop offensively, especially with the new quarterback. Um, You know, Ball State's good, but Ball State's probably good. But I don't think you, you really learned a lot by getting your ass kicked 59 to 10 at Tennessee. Kent State, 9. Yeah, they played a better game than Ball State in that regard. They lost to Washington, 45-20, to but I... Uh, yeah, I just don't feel confident in Kent State. I don't feel confident that its defense has really improved. Uh, even, even in the run, Washington didn't run the ball a whole lot, but they had like so much success with Mike Penix. Mike, not Michael, I guess through the air so they just you know Washington's not the same playoff like it, Washington was a playoff team remember that um, it's not the same caliber of program that regularly goes to the playoff it's just not the same um, if Kent State did this against what's another team that made it to the playoff Michigan State yeah yeah even then no, I, I probably wouldn't get up too much for this Buffalo is at 10 just need more info still uh, I at least I need like more positive info. I guess we have a lot of info already. Um, we do, but we don't. It's just kind of hard to like really assess. Like Mo Linquist gets like an awkward zero slash one year right here. Uh, but they lost thirty one to ten to Maryland. Not good. Bowling Green, no, I don't care. I don't care if that that they were ever leading UCLA. It just was not a good. Like, it was not a promising game. Uh, we have a lot of knowledge about who leads UCLA and what they do against non-conference teams, and it's just not just not great. Uh, Bowling Green, hey, on the scoreboard, they look just fine. If you were only watching this game on your gambling app, uh, you'd say it was a great game, but no, it really wasn't. It really wasn't. I don't, I don't, no, no. No, they're my number 11 team, because number 12, even though they won, Akron, you needed overtime to beat St. Francis, which is an FCS school. Um, look, man, I got to put you somewhere, and I can't really. If you beat St. Francis straight up with a better better margin of victory than seven points, uh, 30 to 23, that's not, that's not a good final score for Akron over any FCS school, any max school or FCS school. That's not what you want to see, really. And St. Francis isn't, isn't exactly Eastern Kentucky, which is about to beat Bowling Green. So, Akron, you're 12. A 
Louisiana. The Cajuns. Uh, the Cajuns, of course, they're not the same Cajuns of somewhat recent, I guess. Billy Napier was the head coach the last four years. In the last three years, they won at least 10 games. It's the best run Louisiana has ever had in its program history. Is that a flash in the pan? Is that lightning in a bottle? There's a lot of, I don't know, there's like a lot of uncertainty of like how much can change from one coach to the next. Especially with what Billy Napier did, what Billy Napier brought to Louisiana the way he did it the right way, and how they're replacing him. Their new coach is a is a Louisiana grad. So there's a lot of like know how already and like he wasn't like an outside, you know, new hire. Like he was already an assistant coach with the program, so like he's kind of been around the business. He he gets what he's doing. Young dude at thirty six too. Uh, but he's already off to a 2-0 and start as the team's head coach. Last year after Napier won the Sun Belt, well, Napier and the team won the Sun Belt. Sun Belt. Desermo? Michael Desermo? Is that how you say it? Uh, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to put any more effort into that. I'm sorry. Uh, he led the team as the interim beat Marshall 36-21 to in the New Orleans Bowl. And then to start the year last week, beat FCS school, Southeast Louisiana, 24 to 7. I'm not going to do as much uh, looking into how good Southeast Louisiana is as much as I did for EKU, but it's a good program. Definitely like well located for sure. Like you can just like get guys locally that are going to be pretty damn good, a lot easier than you can in Kentucky or if the FCS program were in Michigan. You know, it's a good program that they, you know, that kind of rose to the top. They're riding this wave out as best as they can. Who knows how long they can ride this wave out. But last week they had their hands full against uh, a good FCS squad. You know, Louisiana was up 17-0 at the half. In the second half, uh, the drives ended by punt, punt, missed field goal, punt, a turnover on downs. Second time in the game they had one earlier in the first half. Punt. And then a touchdown late. The Cajuns aren't really getting it on offense. You know, they played two quarterbacks, but they weren't doing like the um, the split quarterback routine. You know, this quarterback change happened in the fourth quarter. They went from number 18, Chandler Fields, to number 10, Ben Wooldridge. You know, Fields, he just had a bad drive. I think he was on the drive that led to the turnover on downs, and then Ben Woldridge came in and, you know, they asked him to, you know, to throw some, didn't really have a lot of success. This is a team that already has, you know, it's returning receivers from last year, all three of them, uh, 29, Peter Be- Peter LeBlanc, 17, Deontay Fleming, number six, Errol Rogers, but they also return a tight end who got more involved last week than he ever has before, Johnny Lumpkin. Johnny Lumpkin, um... If you remember, what was his name? What was his name? He played for the Lions for a little bit, but he was a tight end for Toledo. Was it like, no, 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 that's not the name. I'm not going to say it. Uh, But he was a tight end for Toledo. He ended up playing for the Lions, but he was a really huge guy. Um, Great hands. Johnny Lumpkin. Would anybody like to guess how big this guy is? I'll just tell you. He's uh, he's 270 pounds. He's 6'6", 270. So... 268, 270. Dude, he's huge. Five catches last week for 72 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, 
yeah, good luck. You know, Eastern Michigan has to go from covering a big tight end last week, probably the best in the FCS, to another big tight end, uh, someone that's going to stand out in the Sun Bowl for sure. Sun Bowl, Sun Belt. But the quarterback situation, they just haven't really... Uh, they're replacing a guy that's that was there for four years, started for four years. And so now, with the new coach and new quarterback, it's not going great through week one for Louisiana. They're going to have a lot that they want to learn. They're probably going to roll out both these guys, uh, especially if things don't go right for the one that they want to you know, keep in on its first, second, third, fourth, and fifth series. But Louisiana, they have a lot to figure out. It's not going to be the same like it was in EKU where they have their dual threat guy coming back. He's a senior. He's a leader. He can do not one thing, but two things, but three things. This guy can, that guy could do a lot, kind of, you know, kind of contain, got to get pressure on him, got to do this, that, and the other defensively. Louisiana, it's going to be a little bit more simple to game plan. And I think that they're going to be able to get more pressure on the guys. So as long as, you know, they're, they're not able to, like, do the quick pass game behind the defenders that are on the blitz and, you know, get behind Eastern's defense, I think, I think Louisiana might, be in for an upset. I know there's like some advanced statistics out there that EMU's project, and I, this is going off stat by Stats of War. EMU's projected uh, to score like around 18 points, and Louisiana's in the neighborhood of like 31, 32, something like that. Maybe 35. I could be getting it wrong right now. I'm not looking at it. But I think that's where we're going to have to see the game really play out, is if. Eastern can get pressure and get into the quarterback's heads and force them to, if not lay on the ground, then force them to throw it to the cheerleaders instead, then I think that Eastern's going to be pretty well positioned to win. Now, where things are going to get tough is that Louisiana has a very good defense, and they play very, very well, and they have a good attitude, and it's just a very proud program that didn't really, like it lost its quarterback and it lost its head coach. That's a lot. There's a lot. That's a lot. Defensively, they didn't really lose a ton after that. They did really well last week. Obviously, they held um, SELA to just seven points. They have they have guys that are returning. They have guys that they're missing, but, man, they have some guys that are returning. Uh, they're, they're good at safety. They're good at linebacker. They have a lot of good linebackers. They're def- you know Some of their defensive linemen are pretty good, uh, like number four, Zion Hill. He's a good guy. I also featured in my preview. Chris Moncrief, Andre Jones, A.J. Riley. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good players at Louisiana that can make a lot of good plays. So Eastern's offense definitely has to stay efficient. But defense, man, you got to win it on defense this week. I really think Eastern has to win it on defense this week. So I'm going to end this by, by being corny as hell. Uh, I guess this is the way that we're just going to have to do this. Because I don't like being corny about these things, but it's where we're at. It's where we're at. Uh, three keys. We're doing three keys to four Eastern Michigan heading into week two against Louisiana. Uh, what are three things that I think Eastern should focus on? What are three things that I think Eastern has to do to win or at least make it competitive and get it close? Uh, number one, I think Eastern's defense has to make an impact early with negative plays. Last week, there was only one 
negative play that Eastern made on defense. And that was the sack from Jordan Crawford, who lost some weight over the offseason. Uh, made a good play there when they needed him to make a play, but that was the only one. You know, they Eastern got gassed 12 of 18 times on third down. It's a horrible, horrible conversion. If Eastern would have won some some more negative plays early on in like first down and second down, you know, not to say that EKU couldn't make long down, you know, long third down conversions because EKU very much did. Like EKU did convert its its share fare of third and tens. But keep them at third and ten. Keep them at third and eleven. Keep them at third and fifteen. Keep them back there. Keep them at third and eight. Keep them back there. Eastern did not have that kind of luck last week. This is the kind of week where Eastern wants to make that kind of change against a much better opponent, against a Sunbelt champion. This is the kind of week where Eastern's defense really must, you know, play like it just drank coffee. Play like it had coffee just spilled on them. Hot coffee. Not cold brew. Never had it. Uh, But, like I said, the change in the quarterback... I think that's a good dynamic for Eastern to capitalize on if Eastern can get creative with its blitzes and kind of, I know Louisiana has a great O-line, but if they can make some confusion up front, if they can get guys to slip through and make plays, if they can get some of its depth pieces to come through again like Melvin Swindle did, if they can get Carter Evans to, you know, to keep playing up to the level that he should be at or that they hope that he can be at. And same with Peyton Price. And same with Dex Manier. And all these other guys. Jose Ramirez. Grant Truman. If they can make negative plays early on, then I think that Eastern's going to be in a good spot. Uh, key number two. Just pick it up on the run game. Pick it up early. Pick it up early. Not just early downs, but early in the game. You know, Eastern needs the run support. It just... Last week... It only had eight yards in the first half. That's not good. That's just not good. It definitely got things going in the second half. But remember, Evans had to push his way and just make things happen a lot on his own. The O-line really, really needs to guide him, though. You know, that the touchdown run, that a lot of that was him. A lot of that was him. He bounced way the heck outside, went to the wide side of the field, and had to you know, do a barrel roll through the corner of the end zone to make it happen. That's not ideal. That's be, that's a touchdown that proved why it only had so few rush yards in the first half. You got to pick it up. You got to pick it up early. That's why you had the you know the, the the two quick three and outs in the first half. It's because they just didn't have that push up front. Yes, EKU has has some guys that play defensive line. So does Louisiana. So does Toledo. So does Western. So does Central. So does Akron. Everybody has guys that can play some damn D-line. Got to play better. You got to get some push up front. You got to make some holes for Samson. Uh, on the early downs to help out the pass game, you know. It shouldn't all have to come down to Powell floating it up and doing, you know, deep throws to get get the crowd on, the, on their feet to, you know, to make a drive happen. Get the first down on the first couple handoffs of the game. You know, the earlier Eastern has some success on the ground on offense, the earlier Eastern can put games away. And this is definitely a game where, you know, yeah, it'd be great to 
have the highlighting win where years later we're tweeting about how good of a kick Jose Gomez did in the walk-off win against Louisiana, just like we did for Chad Ryland against Illinois and Purdue. But I'd much rather see Eastern just dominate and just like give Louisiana the people's elbow. Just dominate. I'd much rather win the physicality game as in this G5 matchup of North versus South. I'd much rather win that game. Key three, this and this is to uh, to really get things going on offense in the pass game. Uh, My third key of the game: get the running backs involved in the pass game early too. Get these running backs involved early on. Samson Evans, I want you to have a very busy first half. I am very sorry, my friend. But I want you involved in the pass game early. I want you all to defend I want you all defenders to respect not just the receivers and the tight ends, but all five receivers on the field. Even Samson Evans, even if that means he has to take a you know, just a you know, just a gain of like one or two yards on some swing passes here and there. I think think that'll be a good long-term strategy for the passing attack i think the ul defenders need to respect i think the safeties downfield need to have their eyes on the running back and just be thinking about running all the way over there to try to make a play on that guy too i think that needs to be part of the strategy too. you know try to get guys open deep you know because when guys weren't open deep against eastern kentucky it was all down to Jared Getzinger, and it was all down to Andres Paschke, and it was all down to Gunnar Oaks, who are fine receivers in the tight end room. But those aren't the ones that you want leading the room, or at least the passing attack. You know, Jared Getzinger, you know, caught you know caught the one pass, and then he fumbled it, which led to an EKU touchdown, and it really just kind of like helped them get back into the game last week. You want the guys with the sure hands to get the ball. And running backs, they have some sure hands. Jalen Jackson was a running back transfer from Lamar. You know, he is one of those guys where I think could get more involved in the pass game like that. Uh, didn't really see that last week, so maybe this week we'll bring something new with him. But yeah, that's that's just what I think. I think the defense, you know, if they do well in the first half, if the running backs just get really, really active in the rushing attack and in the passing game, um, Early on, especially in the first half, the first half's going to be big. All right, win the first half is essentially what my three my three keys will boil down to. You got to win the first half because I don't know if EMU will be able to keep up with Louisiana if it turns into some sort of like second half shootout or whatever on the road like that. It's it's going to be very very difficult. Um, it's a new like like. E- We've already seen this football season guys complain about how how damn hot it is and how muggy it is in Florida. Uh, I could expect that same sort of that same sort of like advantage point for Louisiana this week as it hosts a lot of guys from the Midwest. Uh, some of these guys are from Georgia, but all these guys are living in Michigan now. So is I don't know is that is that going to be a thing? Like is is that a key against Eastern Michigan? Just playing in the state of Louisiana is a negative for them? I don't know. We'll find out this uh, this Saturday. But NFL Network, 7 o'clock. Eastern looks for its first FBS win over Louisiana. I don't know. Should be good. 